Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and friend, I've been waiting for you, and today we're going to return to Jude verse Three. It is so power-packed. I could hardly wait to get here today to dive into that verse with you. But we're offering you my series, which is called Earnestly Contending for the Faith. It's God's charge to us who are living at the end of the age that we are to wrestle over the faith and not alter it, not modify it, but keep it just as it was delivered to me and to you. And you need to hear and hear and hear this series because it's full of so much material. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. And you need to hear and hear and hear this until you get it in you. And it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. But we'll tell you how to get all these materials at the end of the program. But reach for your Bible and open your Bible to Jude. And today we're going to begin in verse 3. And let me remind you as you're turning there that if you need prayer, we're here for you. Just reach out to us. You can call us right now or send us your email. We're waiting for the phone to ring or for your email to show up in the inbox. And the moment we hear from you, Denise and I and our team, we're going to pray for God to really move in your life. And he really will, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, which says, If you call out to me in faith, I'll hear you and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things. And he really will. So call us or write to us right now. But let's go to Jude verse 3. And in Jude verse 3, Jude is writing to his readers and he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Yesterday we briefly covered this verse, but today I want us to cover it in more detail. But notice how he begins at the very first of verse 3. He begins with the word beloved, the Greek word agapatoi, which is the plural form of the Greek word agape. The word agape is the Greek word for the love of God. And it is one of the most difficult words in the whole New Testament to translate. There are several words that are just nearly not translatable. One is the word agape, which is the word for the love of God. Another is the Greek word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. It is so difficult to translate the word grace because it is so full. But let me give you a base meaning of the word agape. The word agape describes a love for an object or a person, a deep, deep admiration that causes an onlooker to be so taken by the object he's looking at that it causes deep admiration and appreciation to come out of his heart because he's so moved by what his eyes have seen. The observer expresses a loss of words to express what he feels because he's so taken with the beauty of an object or of a person. And here Jude uses the form of the Greek word agape, here the Greek word agapetoi, to mean we as believers should view number each other with deep admiration, awe, and wonder. Is that how you see other people in your church? When you look at them, do you just have a sense of awe? Think about it, how the grace of God has touched their life and changed them. 
They're recipients of the grace of God and the love of God. They've been totally transformed. And when we see what God has done in our lives and in the lives of others, we should call them beloved. These are people that have been cherished by God, and it should leave us nearly speechless in our ability to describe how much we love and appreciate them. And if you don't have that kind of love for the brethren, ask God to give you that kind of love for the other brethren in your church. But he goes on and he says, when I gave all diligence to write unto you. We saw yesterday that this word diligence is the Greek word spadazo. And the word spadazo could be translated, I fully intended. So he's describing something he really was intending to do. But the word spadazo, listen, means to do something with eagerness. So it means he was really eager about what he was about to do. It means to do something with diligence and to act responsibly, quickly, and with attentiveness, or one so diligent, excited, and energetic that he puts all of his heart into what he is about to do. It means to do something with excitement, enthusiasm, and haste because it's so important, serious, or urgent. It means to give one's best effort to a project or a task and to do it enthusiastically. And the very fact that Jude would use this word spotazo, which you really could translate it, I was fully intending to do something, means he was really excited about what he was going to do. Well, what was he going to do? Well, he tells us. When I gave all diligence, I was excited, I was enthusiastic, ready to put my whole heart into the project. And what was the project? To write unto you of the common salvation. Common is the Greek word koinos, which describes something that is mutually shared. It was the very word you would use to describe property mutually shared by a husband and a wife. But in this particular case, he's writing about the common salvation, salvation that is mutually shared by me and by you and by everybody that's born again. We have mutually shared benefits of salvation. And the word salvation is a form of the Greek word soteria, which describes present deliverance. He wanted to write about that. It describes healing because healing is one of the benefits of our salvation. It carries the idea of preservation, protection, safety, and general welfare. Now, I grew up in a particular domination when we thought about salvation as being eternal salvation and being saved from sin and going to heaven, and all of that is true. But my friends, the whole Jewish concept of salvation is much bigger than that. Salvation is deliverance, it is healing, it is preservation, it is protection, it is safety, it is general welfare. All of those are mutually shared benefits that you and I have by being placed inside Christ. And the reason that Jude was so enthusiastic about writing about our mutually shared benefits of salvation was because it was his half-brother, Jesus who died as the Lamb of God on the cross and was raised from the dead to empower all of these benefits in our life. And James was so thrilled to think about what his elder brother had done to bring us the benefits of salvation. He was ready to take his writing instrument in hand and something to write on. He was going to write a letter all about our salvation and all that it entails. And then... His plans 
were abruptly changed because someone passed him the second epistle of Peter. And when he read the second epistle of Peter, chapter 2, where Peter wrote about false prophets and false teachers who were going to try to covertly enter the church, smuggle error into the church, he was so deeply disturbed by what Peter read that Jude said, hey, 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 I'm going to scrap my plans I really was excited about what I was about to write to you and was ready to put all of my creative abilities and dive deep into the subject of our mutually shared benefits of salvation. But now I know it's time for me to address another subject. And that's why he adds, it was needful for me. The word needful in Greek is very, very important. You say, well, what does it mean? It is the Greek word anagke. The word anagke really depicts one that is gripped with a sense of urgency and a deeply felt need. What he read in Peter's epistle really affected him. And by the way, notice he's reading Peter's epistles. The apostles were reading what each other were writing. He really respected Peter. And when he read what Peter wrote under the unction of the Holy Spirit, he said, hey, hey, it's not time for me to write that letter I was intending to write. I need to address this subject as well. And he was gripped with a sense of urgency and a deeply felt need. And by letting, by using this word, Jude was telling us that what was happening was so serious, he needed to redirect his attention to deal with this other issue. And what did he say? He said, write to you, and to exhort you. The word exhort is a form of the Greek word parakaleo. We covered this yesterday. The word para means to come alongside. The word kaleo means to call out to or to beckon. The word parakaleo is so strong, it can be translated to urge, to exhort. Sometimes it's a word of prayer, and it depicts someone who falls to their knees. They begin to pray or they begin to beg with someone to hear what they're saying and to do what they're telling them to do. And all of that would be true in this case. But the word exhort, the Greek word parakale, was also importantly a military term used to describe generals or commanders who came before the troops to encourage them to hold their head high, throw their shoulders back, look the enemy eyeball to eyeball, and to march into a battle bravely to fight in order to win territory or to win a principle or an issue. And now Jude knows that someone needs to raise their voice like a commander and speak to the troops in the body of Christ. And since he is the half-brother of Jesus, he understands he has a podium that no one else has. So like a commander of the troops, Jude now speaks to the troops he says, hey, there's a battle in front of us. How did he know that? Because he just read Peter's epistle and read what was happening. He said, there's a battle in front of us. Something has happened. And now it is time for us to charge into war. And I'm exhorting you to earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend is a compound of two Greek words in full. It is a Greek word, ep agonizomai. The word ep is a contraction of the word epi, which means over. And in this particular verse, it is an intensifier. The word agonizomai, maybe you hear another word, it's where we get the word for agony or something that is agonizing. But when you compound the two words together, 
earnestly contend means to agonize over, and because the word epi is an intensifier, it describes a very, very intense fight or wrestling for something. And I want to read to you what Right from my notes, earnestly contend is a compound of epi and agonizomai. The word epi again is an intensifier. Agonizomai means agony. Together it means to agonize over. But listen to this. It pictures two wrestlers who agonize to win over the other in a wrestling match. Both wrestlers work to gain the advantage and hurl their opponent to the ground, exerting every ounce of their strength and skill to win a very intense physical contest. But when epi and agonizomai are compounded into a single word like Jude does in this verse, it depicts those that are fighting with all of their might to win a match of some kind. And Jude uses this word to tell us to earnestly fight over the faith or over truth. It pictures those who are wrestling between issues of truth and deception. False teachers were trying to wrestle the faith to the ground and subdue it, modify it, and suit it to their own ends. And because deception was attempting to trounce truth, Jude uses the word ep agonizum, I hear translated earnestly contend to tell his readers and you and me that there is a time when we have a God-given responsibility to do all that is needed to defend, to fight for, and guard the purity of the truth. We also have that responsibility. But then he goes on and he says, the faith, that we earnestly contend for the faith. And when you read this in the Greek text, it has a definite article, which means it doesn't say earnestly contend for faith. If it said simply earnestly contend for faith, it could mean faith for anything. Faith for miracles, faith for healing, faith for prosperity, just faith for anything. But because it has a definite article, it means the faith, the clear, sound teaching of Scripture. That is what was under assault people with ulterior motives, were trying to take the teaching of the Scripture, twist it, modify it, alter it to their own aims. And he says, my friends, we need to contend over the faith, the Scripture, the purity of the Word of God that was entrusted to us or delivered to us once and for all. Once and for all is the Greek word hapax. In Greek, it describes something that is complete, something that is final. In fact, it is so complete, it is so final, it needs no alterations, it needs no changes, it needs no modifications, which means when the Bible was complete, it was complete, it was perfect, it was final. It doesn't need anybody to change it or add anything to it. God gave it to us in its complete, final form and... He says, which was once delivered unto the saints. The word delivered is a form of the Greek word para didomi. The word para in this case means to pass something from one person to another. The word didomi means to give. When you compound the two words together, para didomi, which here is translated delivered, means to deliver something from one person to another or from one generation to another, like a tradition that you pass from one generation in your family to the next generation and to the next generation. For example, Thanksgiving traditions or Christmas traditions or New Year's traditions or birthday traditions. Traditions have to be taught and they have to be passed 
from one generation to the next. And if you're not very careful to maintain the tradition and pass it from you to the next generation, it can be lost along the way. I know that because when Denise and I moved our family to the former USSR, that's where I'm coming to you from right now, this is our studio in Moscow, we moved into a world where many American traditions were not celebrated. In Russia, they don't have Thanksgiving. In Russia, we don't have a lot of the holidays which you have in the United States. And we kind of lost some traditions along the way. We decided that we were going to maintain Thanksgiving because that was a very important tradition. We've had to work really, really hard to maintain Thanksgiving in our family in Russia because that is not a celebration in Russia. We've had to be very intentional to remind our family what it is, why we do it, what it's about, and pass it to our sons, to their wives, to our grandchildren. You have to be very, very intentional about passing something from one generation to the next. And now that word paradidomy describes the passing of something from one person to another or from one generation to another. And Jude in this verse says, when God committed the truth of the Bible to us, he intended for us to preserve it, to maintain its integrity and to pass it to other people in the purest form as possible, to pass it to another generation and another generation and another generation in the very same way that we received it. It was delivered to us once and for all, complete, with no need of alterations or modifications. And now my job as a Bible teacher and your job as a believer is to make sure we dive deep into the Bible, which is what we do in this program. And if you're a partner, I want to say thank you for helping us take this teaching to people all over the world. If you're not a partner, please become a partner with our ministry to help us do this. Proverbs 10.21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many. I know that's our task, is to feed many the pure, unadulterated Word of God. Our job is to dive deep, not to change it, but to understand it, and then to pass it along in the purest form as possible to subsequent generations. And that is what Jude writes in this verse. God has given us that responsibility. And my friends, I want to now read to you Jude, verse 3, from the RIV in its fullness. Listen to this. Here's the RIV of Jude, verse 3. Beloved, I call you that because it's the only word I know to express how deeply I love and cherish you. I fully intended to write to you about our mutually shared salvation, and I was really eager to write about this exciting subject, ready to engage all my creative abilities to dive deep into all the benefits that our salvation entails. But as I was getting ready to get started, I found myself suddenly gripped with a sense of urgency and a deeply felt need to address another subject that came to my attention. I felt someone needed to come alongside the troops to urge them to hold their head high, to throw their shoulders back, and if needed, to look the enemy eyeball to eyeball and to earnestly contend for the faith because it is under assault. God entrusted the faith to us once and for all, and expects us to guard it and maintain its integrity in the same form it was delivered to us. God has given us the responsibility to impart it to others in the same form it was when we received it. 
That is what Jude verse 3 means. But then when we come to verse 4, Jude begins to describe oh, these false teachers which are trying to find their way into the church. And in Jude verse 4, Jude then adds, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 4, he is so vivid with his words and he's building on what he just read in 2 Peter chapter 2. In fact, he uses many of the very same words that Peter uses in those verses. But notice he talks about men who are crept in unawares. What does that mean? We're going to find out tomorrow. Who before of old were ordained to this condemnation. What does that word condemnation mean? And when he calls them ungodly men, what does that mean that they are ungodly men turning the grace of God? Turning? How do you turn the grace of God? He says into lasciviousness. What is lasciviousness? And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. All of that is what we're going to be covering in tomorrow's program. And my friend, you do not want to miss a minute of it. So Monday we saw Jude was addressing his readers. Then on Tuesday we saw about the peace and the mercy and the love of God, which is to be multiplied in our lives. Yesterday we saw we are to earnestly contend for the faith. And today we have seen that the faith that we are to contend for, defend for, is the clear, sound teaching of Scripture. God gave it to us in its purest form, and our job is to do our best to pass it in that same pure form to others. And that's where we're going to pick up tomorrow. But I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. We are definitely living at the end of the age when many events prophesied long ago are coming to pass. One of those prophesied events is apostasy that will emerge in the church at the end of the age. What exactly does the Bible say about it? And what should be our response to these end-time developments? In this crucial series, Earnestly Contending for the Faith, Rick Renner teaches about what the Bible says will occur in the last days and how we are to respond to it. If your desire is to stay on track with God and to stay rooted in His Word, then this is a series you will need to hear again and again so you can get these truths deep into your heart. In this series, Rick covers what it means to earnestly contend for the faith, how God expects us to maintain the purity of the faith, and divine warnings to those who twist the doctrine of grace. This five-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. And today, we are also offering you Rick's book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, for just $20. In this book, you'll discover what you need to be doing to stay anchored to truth, how to discern right and wrong teaching, and how to be spiritually prepared for living victoriously in these last days. Order this series, Earnestly Contending for the Faith, and the book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Call the number on your screen now, or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. This is Rick Renner, and I'm standing inside what's going to be the new studio in our TV studio in Moscow. You have given to make this happen. And right now, as you know, prices in Russia are just 
skyrocketing because of what's taking place in our part of the world. I want to say thank you to every one of you that have done something sacrificial to help us buy all the materials we need to finish the interior. We need to wrap this up as fast as we can. Proverbs 10:21 says the lips of the righteous feed many. And I want you to understand that from this spot, we're going to feed people all over the world the Word of God. It's not about a building. We're not interested in buildings. This is an anchor that is pivotal for the proclamation and the distribution of the Word of God to this entire part of the world, and it is so, so needed. And by being a partner with us and being a part of our giving team to wrap this up, every time the signal goes with the Word of God into people's private spaces all over this part of the world, God is going to credit you with part of the reward for what's going to happen because it's your seed, it's your offerings, it's your sacrifices that are helping us to do this. And when people's lives are transformed, it will be credited to your account. And I want to say thank you for everything that you've already done. Thank you for helping us wrap up phase two of this very important project so we can begin to film programs right here and get the teaching of the Bible to people that are famished for it. And I want to say thank you in advance for being a part of our giving team. I'm speaking to you for my brand new series, which is called Earnestly Contending for the Faith. The subtitle says, Making the Choice to Maintain Your Faith Regardless of Pressures to Modify It in These Last Days. And friends, there's a lot of pressure to modify our faith. Don't do it. Instead, we're called to earnestly contend for the faith. And I want you to get this entire series, which comes with a great study guide, so that you can read it while you see it or while you hear it and really get this teaching down deep inside you. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, The Far Word. It was written by my dear friend John Bevere, but this book is endorsed by over 30 major Christian leaders who read it and said, wow, we want to endorse what is in that book. This book is about earnestly contending for the faith, keeping your head on straight in a world that seems to be going crazy and making sure you maintain the integrity of the faith when other people seem to be trying to modify it to match these times that we're living in. My friends, the faith does not need to be changed. It was delivered to us in a complete final form, and our job is to maintain the integrity of the faith, and this book will really help you. And I want to remind you that when you become a partner with our ministry, and a partner is anyone who financially gives into our ministry and prays for us, so that we can take this teaching to people all over the world. Everyone doesn't have available to them what you have available to you, and there are people praying for this kind of teaching. And when you become a partner, you financially put fuel in the tank so we can take this teaching to people all over the world, and people all over the world really are watching because 
Partners are helping us get the message to them. And the moment you become a partner, we're going to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness and my book called Life in the Combat Zone because we give these to everyone who becomes a part of our partner family. You can become a partner or get all of these materials by going online or by giving us a call and please let us know how to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to lay hold of the Word of God and make the determination that we will not alter it. We will not fall victim to the spirit of the age, but we will stick with the truth. We thank you for this. You expect that of us. So help us, Lord, to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But until then, remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. <laughs>